0: Hello and welcome to Udcast episode 16. This is head of school Dan Glass with you once again, exploring the soul's curriculum. Here in the Sound Lab at the Brandeis School of San Francisco. Happy 2017 uh, to all of you UDECAST listeners out there. I'm going to begin the year with a poem uh, because we are beginning this episode with a poem as we always do. it. Uh, I thought I'd start here with uh, a, a, the end of a poem called Notebook Fragments from a really uh, beautiful book called Night Sky with Exit Wounds uh, by Ocean Vong. Uh, he is a Vietnamese-American uh, poet. This is his first book of poems from Copper Canyon Press, came out last year, and um, and really inf- interesting meditations on, um, on love and family and, um, I, you know, sort of immigrant identity and queer identity. Um, so this is the end of this poem, Notebook Fragments, that I thought would be a good entry into uh, this episode of Udcast. When the prison guards burned his manuscripts, Win Chi Thin couldn't stop laughing, the 283 poems already inside him. I dreamed I walked barefoot all the way to your house in the snow. Everything was the blue of smudged ink, and you were still alive. There was even a light, the shade of sunrise, inside your window. God must be a season, Grandma said, looking out at the blizzard drowning her garden. My footsteps on the sidewalk were the smallest flight. Dear God, if you are a season, let it be the one I passed through to get here. Here. That's all I wanted to be. I promise. I love that line, Dear God, if you are a season, let it be the one I pass through to get here. It's a beautiful one, uh, and it, it also, it's highlighted on the back of this book. Um, but it was it was the idea of being here and being present that I thought would be a good lead-in uh, to the good cast here today. So, you know, we left in rain and fog in December, and we're back now in January in rain and fog And while the glass household was beset by a head cold right at the end of break, of course, because of course such things must happen, I returned to school this week with a not insignificant pep in my step. That isn't to say we didn't drag a bit on Tuesday morning as the routines reset, but it was a joy to come back to these warm halls and smiling faces. I had an encounter with a third grader on Tuesday morning that summed it up well, I was out in the lobby filling my coffee mug to maintain that peppy step and saw her in the sweet sorrows of parting from her mother, hanging on the banister, not quite ready to be back. So I stopped over and we talked about the break, the time with family, the amazing Warriors game experiences she had, and at the end of a few minutes of smiling reminiscing she was herself again, fully returned and bouncing up the stairs to class. I was reminded by the interaction, how much our kids are mirrors of us despite their unique humanity, how much our work of settling back into our routines is relayed to them and then replayed at one quarter scale. I was reminded too, what wonderful opportunities each of us has to impact each other positively simply by stopping and being present together. Tuesday evening there was a shiva for a Brandeis grandparent which included a truly beautiful service that filled me with the bitter street, bittersweet warmth of iron-strong family bonds severed physically by loss, and a deep appreciation again for the creative and welcoming spirit of Jewish life in San Francisco. The mirrors in the home were covered, as is Jewish tradition, to relieve the mourners from the distraction of appearance as I sat in the living room stuffed to the rafters with friends and loved ones, and I wasn't surprised but very grateful to see lots and lots of Brandeis faces in that room. I was reflecting on how powerful it can be to simply stop and be present for one another and to one another, to step away from the mediated practice of being seen, especially difficult in this networked age, and instead to simply be. At its core, presence is about being in time. It shares a root with essence, the Latin root S-E-S-S-E, the verb to be. Such presence is especially hard to muster and of utmost importance in this mirrored world and in these times of transition. And I'll say, uh, on, the, on the point of uh, being present, There um, is a podcast I like to listen to when I'm in the mood to shut my brain off, Um, and it is uh, Jalen and Jacoby's podcast, which is an ESPN uh, podcast. It's Jalen Rose uh, and David Jacoby. Jalen Rose was uh, famously a member of uh, Michigan's Fab Five, uh, a, a group of basketball players that um, had a big impact on uh, basketball culture uh, before coming to the NBA. Several of them came to the NBA. Chris, Reber, Chris Weber was one of them. Um, for all you Warriors fans out there, of course you know that. Uh, and Jalen Rose was another who went on to have a long career um, with the Pacers and other teams, um, and he's become a commentator. And anyway, I listened to Jalen and Jacoby's podcast. It's, a, uh, it's, it's like fluff like like this sort of effervescent fluff of basketball information Um, and occasionally uh they'll get off on uh sort of tangents and and there was an episode uh last year where they were talking about an interaction between uh two players on the lakers nick young and d'angelo russell nick young uh ha was sort of bragging about um uh some uh indiscretions some cheating he was doing on his girlfriend at the time and d'angelo russell recorded it and then posted it online and it it became this big uh uh became a big hubbub in the lakers locker room and and uh this was being discussed on the podcast and they were talking it was sort of an interesting point that was being made, which was that um, for young people, um, and D'Angelo Russell is a uh, was a rookie last year, so he was in his second year in the league so he's probably 19, 20 years old. Um, and you know for the people who sort of grew up in this networked age, there is a sense of uh, wanting to, uh, have that, that moment, not just of, of experience of being present to something, but then to have that experience sort of, uh, reflected and then affirmed by, uh, the response that you get to it on social media. And they were commenting about how at the end of this video where he's recording his teammate, um, saying some things he may have regretted saying, um, that he says, thanks for being on my video, and that's sort of the moment when uh, Nick Young, a.k.a. Swaggy P, uh, is sort of realizing what's going on, and that that moment of sort of becoming aware that there will be this doubling of experience, I think, uh, is important. Anyway, it was an interesting, uh, interesting piece and something I have been thinking about a lot in terms of how... Um, as we're raising young people, how we should be, can be, and need to be thinking about um, preparing them uh, to live in this, uh, this mirrored world of ours. So anyway, driving to school yesterday, uh, iTunes gave me the random play gift of public enemies don't believe the hype. Uh, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Their 1988 magnum opus, on which that song was released, was a focus of one of my dissertation chapters. Uh, I was—I I wrote a whole chapter. I mean, this is the amazing world of academia. I wrote a whole chapter on the pauses uh, in the middle of lines in uh, in this Public Enemy record. Um, Anyway, it was an important record for me there. It was an important one in my childhood as well. Um, Don't Believe the Hype is a screed against how Public Enemy was being treated by, quote unquote, the media, which seems monolithic now in its pre-internet ability to at least be counted, though, of course, the advent of cable had already at that time splintered the collective attention. You no longer had the broadcast news as the sort of singular voice of uh, American experience or at least... Um, supposedly singular uh, voice of supposedly American experience. Um, But anyway, Public Enemy was called racist and violent in that uh, the sort of early days of reaction to hip-hop music as an art form. Um, But listening to the song in the car, one line really jumped out at me, which was false media, we don't need it, do we? Uh, Which felt especially relevant in this cultural moment of Russian hacks and fake news, But the idea of false media as such also took me to another engagement with media from yesterday morning when I was checking Twitter and noticed that Ta-Nehisi Coates, an author who I've followed since his shatteringly gorgeous and difficult Between the World and Me was a pick in my book club, Uh, he wrote that he was signing off from the network for the year to work on another book. He was getting off of Twitter. And it struck me that the real work of writing had to be done away from the world of pithy quick hits and appearances that Twitter offers, that there is a presence required to do meaningful work in the world, one that the mirrors of our phones and networks sometimes distract us from. I feel grateful to live and work in this community, one that values and teaches this kind of presence of being present to the world and to each other as a way to honor each other and those we have lost, as a way of engaging with each other and our children in the daily passages and as a means of critical thinking about this complex and beautiful world of ours. So on that note, I wish you all truly present weekends, my friends, and uh, Shabbat Shalom to all of you listening yeah. on Shabbat. Uh, here's to to a present a powerful, and a positive 2017. Until next week.